Growing up, I used to watch Saturday morning cartoons. I have a feeling many of you probably did as well. And it was just a great pastime, grab a bowl of cereal, get in front of the TV, and it was better than Netflix. You just binge-watched Saturday morning cartoons. One of my favorite uh, was Looney Tunes, and particularly I loved the lovable, fluffy, gray Bugs Bunny, right? I mean, who doesn't love Bugs? He's great. One thing that they say about uh, the Looney Tunes and watching those Saturday morning cartoons is that uh, a lot of the generations who've watched it know so much culture, even though a lot of times we don't know this. I mean, nearly every episode just is pervaded with all of this classical music pieces and these classic storylines and and things that, that past generations, even before us, probably knew and could name. We may not so much can name it, but we know what it is, right? We've, we've heard it and we've seen it, and it was all because of those cartoons. It was great. Now, there's one thing uh, in particular that stuck with me uh, with the lovable Bugs Bunny uh, that I took with me into my childhood, uh, and it was anytime something would happen to Bugs, maybe someone would pie him in the face or something like that. He would look at them and he would say, of course, you know this means war right? And y'all, I would go out on the playground that, that week, and I, that was just, it was all the time. Anytime somebody did something, you know, you know this means war, right? So funny or not, probably not, that phrase is also spilled over into my adult life as well, and not so humorous as it once was. Whenever conflict arises, what do we do? Do we throw gas onto the flame? and say, this means war, or do we seek peace? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So good morning. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Gitwell Church. Glad that you've joined us for worship this morning, especially if you're our guest. Glad that you have carved out time to be here. Uh, The Lord is moving this morning. Our songs have been awesome. Excited to see what he's going to do as we dive into the word together. Uh, And today we are uh, continuing in our summer sermon series called The Good Life for the last Six weeks, we're in week seven, but the last six weeks, we've been walking through Jesus's Beatitudes. It's these eight statements that we find at the beginning of Matthew chapter five. It's Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. These are eight statements that Jesus makes to set up what he's going to say afterwards, but they are life altering to us as followers of Jesus. They are what, if we truly embrace them, if we truly understand them, if we begin to live them out. Friends, we will live a good life, not just any good life, the good life. It's the life that we find in God alone as king, as citizens of his kingdom. Now, this whole series has been inspired by the book by Dr. Derwin Gray called The Good Life. If you haven't picked up a copy, would love for you to do so as we uh, just, you can use it to dive deeper into each week's beatitude. And so we'd love to pick one up at uh, Amazon or your favorite bookstore, but wherever you like books, but it's a great book to have, a great resource to dive into alongside each week as we've been going through. But we are in week seven. Uh, of this series. Uh, And uh, the beatitude that we're diving in today is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And this is what Jesus says. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed Now, last week, uh, Greg Mink, our pastor to families, reminded us of what this blessed means. It's this happiness that we get, this we experience from following Jesus's way, 
Not, not our way, not the world's way, but Jesus' way instead of our own or the world's. It's a happiness that's rooted in Jesus alone. It's not rooted in our hearts. Remember, our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are ever-changing, right? The world is, is always changing and what makes it happy. And a lot of times what we do is we've searched and sought and we go after happiness and anything and everything other than Jesus. And what we find is we're just empty. It comes up short every single time. We find temporary happiness and something that's not supposed to be where we find our joy and our happiness. Anyway, it's Jesus alone. And so Jesus is inviting us to a life that's better than we can imagine. When we live it out of a desire and, and will and want and heart of God rather than of ourselves. So Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Or another way to put it, and I love the way the New Living Translation puts it, uh, is God blesses those who work for peace. Same idea. I just like that wording just a tad better. Because it really helps us see this. Is that It's not that God blesses the peaceful. Y'all, there are some people that are peaceful. And I'm so envious of them, right? Like it just comes naturally. And I'm like, how do you get that? But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking, blessed are those who work for peace. So I want to talk about two things. What is this peace first? And then what does it mean to be a peacemaker? So let's talk about peace. When we think about the word peace, what comes to mind? Well, if you're like me, I start thinking of palm trees and a breeze blowing and Laying there with a good book in the sand. Something's reminding me of that. But man, the beach sounds so good. It's nice and peaceful, right? That's what we think of peace. We think of like this absence of conflict, right? Like all is right in the world and nobody's bothering me and it's just great. But when we look biblically, what does peace mean? It's, it's so much more than that. Uh, when the T New Testament talks about peace, it most often use this, is this, uses this word arene, arene, or some cognate of that, uh, which signifies peace, yes, uh, but also it's a harmonious relationship. It's a harmonious relationship. It'll come up here in a second. A harmonious relationship, and it's not merely the absence of war. I think a lot of times we think that there's no conflict, there's no war, like somehow that's peace, but that's not so much so. So here's the thing. Peace as God intends it to be, I want you to hear me, is that uh, it is more about wholeness, about unity, about completeness in the midst of conflict and war. And chaos that's happening around us is more about wholeness and unity and completeness in the midst of war and chaos happening around us. Here's the thing. We can't escape the world. I think a lot of times we wish that we could, but we can't escape the world. But we can have something that the world can't. We can possess something that the world does not have. And that's peace. That's true peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about this peace that we have, and it's all because of Jesus. So he begins by talking about our former life as he picks up in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, um, without hope and without God in the world. What's that word? But. But. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh, in, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Paul says we were without hope and without God in this world, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been what? Brought near by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. For Jesus himself, he is our peace. He put to death the hostility between the two. See, all of humanity, all of humanity, you, I, every person out here, we are dead in our sin and in need of reconciliation with God. And it's God, through Jesus, who sought us, who sought to reconcile us to himself. God, when we moved away from God, he drew near to give his life, to show us the example, to give us peace, to break down the wall that we may be reconciled to God and to one another. <clears throat> So Paul is sharing this really strong truth here in Ephesians chapter 2 that because of what Christ has done, because of this peace that we've received in him, there is now no reason at all for us to have a dividing wall, to us to have hostility between another person. Because we have received this peace, we now have access to the Father through one spirit, meaning that there's now no difference between those of us who are in Christ. No reason that we should engage in, in the war that often, so often we do against one another because peace has been made. So I don't want you to miss this. In order to be a peacemaker, you must first have peace with God. What we talked about several weeks ago is that Jesus didn't just put a bunch of these eight statements. They weren't just random eight statements that Jesus has put together. No, he's taking us on a progression. He's taking us deeper into the good life. It all starts with him alone that we realize our deep need for him and that there's nothing good in us. There's nothing that we can do to achieve salvation, but it's all in Jesus Christ alone. But as we begin to practice each of those beatitudes in succession, what he does is he begins to do something beautiful. He begins to transform us and change us and bring a good life in us and through us. But in order to be a peacemaker, we first have to experience that peace with God. Now, because we have access to this true peace, Jesus says that we're to be agents of peacemaking. So what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Well, the word that Jesus uses here in the Beatitude in Matthew 5, 9 uh, is this. <clears throat> Let's see if my Greek is very good. Ereinopoios. All right, there you go. We'll just say it confidently. 
you can, what's the thing? You can read this yourself. All right, so uh, it is the word where you see peace, right? Irene, peace. So it's to make peace. This is the word that Jesus is using here. To make peace and not war. But I love this bigger definition here. And I want you to, to get this. Two parties holding differences of opinion who are willing, willing to turn toward each other and embrace one another in spite of their differences. Friends, if you don't think that Jesus was being countercultural, then you aren't paying attention. This is so different than the world. So different than the world. This is what peacemaking is. Y'all, it's been dry lately. My yard needs water desperately. And when dry conditions persist, when they go on for a long time, usually the state will issue what's called a burn ban, which means, hey, please don't burn anything. Because any little spark will do what? It starts to set a fire, right? And y'all, we live pretty close to one another. So really any spark, uh, whenever it's this dry, could, could mean damage to property, uh, could mean damage to life. I mean, there's so much that fire can do whenever it's this dry. Now, if you're going home this afternoon, you're leaving here, you're about to go to get your lunch and you see a fire on the side of the road, what are you going to do? Well, you're probably going to stop. You're probably, if you've got some water, you're probably going to put some water on it. You're probably going to call the fire department, right? Or are you going to go home, get your gas can, even though gas is really expensive, and decide to pour that all over the fire, right? I mean, which, which are you going to choose? I mean, I think it's fairly obvious what the choice would be, right? How come though, every time that we start to see a fire rise in our lives and the people around us, do we instead of calling on the one who is like the fire department, instead of us offering words of life, words that are living water over them, instead do we start to pour gasoline all over it? Why do we love to see those flames just grow? Why do we love to see it consume everything in its path as long as it doesn't touch us? Why do we do that? That's the way of the world, friends. And too often, those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we instead of giving water on the situation, helping make peace, we pour gasoline on it. We want to see the flames grow. Here's the thing. It's God created us for a, a different life. God created us to bring peace to this world, peace to the lives around us, instead of chaos and dissension and division. Now, I jokingly like to say that I have a spiritual gift and an unspiritual gift. Uh, there's no biblical around this, I'm just telling you. So the joke is that my spiritual gift is eating, I love to eat. Such a gift. Uh, my unspiritual gift is instigating. Now, if you've spent any time around me, you've probably experienced a little bit of it, but I love to instigate. And I've tried not to instigate sometimes, uh, but I'm still a work in progress. The Lord's still working on me. Um, we're getting there. But, you know, here's the thing. I don't know if you're like me, but it's really hard as an instigator to not instigate. So I don't know if you can relate to that. But when we begin to see these, these fires of conflict, these fires of division, these fires of dissension, do we instigate peace or do we instigate death? Do we instigate chaos? 
What are we instigating? It seems like sometimes we just can't help ourselves, but God is calling us to something different. What if instead, what if we instigated peace? What if we were makers, not shakers? See, I think for us, citizens of the kingdom of God, if we're going to live that kind of life, this is what we're supposed to be. Makers, peacemakers, not shakers. So what if instead of delighting in the division, the bitterness, the strife that so oftentimes we do participate in, what if we delighted in making peace wherever possible because we follow Jesus and because we've been given peace in Jesus? Now think back to the conflicts that I've had in in my own life and I think about those times where I've fostered war or fostered vengeance or held a grudge or whatever. In, in the relationship, and I think about how absolutely miserable I was in that, right? How absolutely miserable I was. And what they say, misery loves company, right? We want to make their lives miserable as well, so we're all just miserable. But why do we live that way? Why do we live in the MO of this day? See, here's the thing is that Jesus is calling us higher. Jesus is calling us out of ourselves. It's not anything in us, but it's something that he has given us. His calling is is to God's desire and to his delight that we would be peacemakers in this world. Uh, Jesus, before he ascends, before he goes and gives himself uh, for us uh, and for this world, he says this to his disciples in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, the world takes. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. See, Jesus gives us his peace and his presence through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us as believers. And no matter what we face in this world, and no matter what war oftentimes engages around us as we find ourselves in, we can step forward. Why? He says, do not be afraid. Do not be troubled. Because he's given us his Peace. He leaves us with his peace. The ultimate peacemaker has left us with his peace. Jesus ascended into heaven. He reigns and he rules at the right hand of the throne of God. And one day he's going to come back. He's going to come back and he's going to right every wrong. He's going to wipe every tear. He's going to bring justice and righteousness. And guess what? God's kingdom, not the kingdom of this world, will reign and rule for eternity firmly established, never to be shaken. And because of that, he has entrusted us, us, to be the people who continue to carry out the mission of peacemaking that he himself did. One of the things that Jesus tells us is that we will do greater things than he did. Wow. Those three years that Jesus lived on this earth, he is now entrusted in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit in your life. You, believer of Jesus, follower of Jesus, you've given your life to him. Now go and be peacemakers in this world. The Holy Spirit inside us, guiding us, empowering us. And here's the thing, is it's not going to be just something that happens naturally. It's something that we really have to work for. 
We want to instigate war instead of peace, and it's part of our fallen sin nature. But in the Holy Spirit, who's transforming us, we can work for peace, actively engaging peacemaking in the world around us. Now, here's the thing. Being a peacemaker and a pacifist are not the same thing. We're not just going to let life happen. No, we actively engage. We step into knowing that Christ goes with us by the Holy Spirit inside of us. So, as we work, I want to give you four things. I want to share with you four things that we have to do uh, as peacemakers. All right? Four things we have to do as peacemakers. The first is this, is you have to be aware. You have to be aware. You have to be aware that there are forces that are going to work against you as you work for peace. Forces. Notice I said forces, not people. Too often, whenever we come to conflict, whenever we see uh, war waging around us, we, we want to blame the person, right? But here's the thing is it's not the person. It's the forces that are acting in there. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I don't know if that makes you a little uncomfortable, but it is a truth. Satan and his forces are trying all they can do to lead this world against God and against his kingdom. Satan's kingdom of darkness hates Jesus' kingdom of light. What Jesus offers is hope and life, but what Satan and his forces offer is division, dissension, and death. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus tells us. Jesus, though, he's overcome the darkness, and one day he's going to come and it will be destroyed completely. And in the meantime, what's going to happen is that Satan is going to throw all the arrows that he can at us to stop it because here's the thing, he wants to win. He wants the world to fall away. He wants people who claim to be followers of Jesus to fall away, to just throw their hands up and say, it's not worth it. But Jesus prevails in the end. The kingdom of God will win. But you have to be aware. You've got to be on the lookout. You've got to know that this battle is not against a person, but it's against one who is against the situation, one who doesn't want the light, doesn't want peace to win. And here's the thing, whenever you come to that spot, where you've taken that step of faith, you've, you've stepped into, you're going to work for peace. You've said, you've said it. And you start to receive a little bit of that pushback. Stop and use the weapon of prayer. Pray. Ask God. God, I need you to move. I need you to work. I need you to break down this wall. In Jesus' name, do what he's called you to do. Ask him to give you courage to boldly step forward to make peace in that situation. So you have to be aware. The second is you need to think before you speak. Very simplistic. This message is written for me. Think before you speak. When the flames of conflict, dissension, division begin to spark, resist that urge. Resist it. Resist the urge to pour gas on it. 
Step back. Think before you speak. James, in James chapter 1, verse 19, he encourages his audience. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I think that's a really good practice for us as followers of Jesus. It's one that's rooted in the fact that, here's the thing, is that we are quick to speak, we're quick to anger, and we don't really ever listen. But because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, because our minds are being renewed day after day, He's working on us to bring about that we become people who are like Jesus. Who listen. Who think before they speak. And instead of that urge to pour gas on the fire, we instead offer words of healing, hope, and wholeness. We work for peace. Instead of going for the instinct, go for what was instilled in you. What I mean is instead of leaning into that instinct of that still to be transformed part of our lives that one day we'll be there when we meet Jesus again, that is that seeking vengeance or strife, what we should seek and and desire is to make peace with people. And we do that because God's spirit is instilled inside of us. So be aware, think before you speak. The third is this, is that you should choose life. And this could apply to many different situations. But choose life. Choose to bring life to others because here's the thing. is Jesus did it to you. He chose life for you. He offers it to you. Do you deserve it? No. None of us do. And yet he chooses to offer it to us. So even our enemies we should choose life. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, do what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, do what? Give him something to drink. In doing this, you will, reap, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Choose to be agents of life rather than agents of death. Overcome evil by doing good. Choose life. It's the better path to take, Paul tells us. It's always the better path to take. It's always the one that we should do. Why? Leads to the fourth point. So we have be aware, think before you speak, choose life, and then our fourth point is this, is reap the reward. Reap the reward. Remember today's beatitude? What did Jesus say in Matthew 5? And he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. When we are peacemakers between us and others, we receive a reward. That's being called children of God. Literally the phrase there means that we become the offspring of God. That's all because of what Jesus has made the way for us to be able to do that. 
This blessing is, is that we're restored to what we were meant to be from the very beginning of creation. And that's living in a beautiful and intimate and harmonious relationship with God and with one another. God does something great through us and in us and for us and for others when we choose to be peacemakers in this world. And one of the things that we have to remember is it's the children, right, who receive an inheritance. And the inheritance that we receive is the fact that we receive eternal life. We get to live with God our Father forever. And how beautiful and awesome that is going to be. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, friends, instead of going out this week and saying, this means war, right? Let's be people. Let's be the children of God who strive to share his passion for peace and reconciliation who are agents of peacemaking, who help break down the dividing walls of hostility between others and between others and God. And let's do it all for his glory. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to just have a moment of prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles, to turn off your phones, to close your eyes. And there's just a few things I want us to, to go to the Lord in, to open our hearts up to And the first thing is this, is if you've never received the peace that Jesus offers, if you feel that, that, that part in your heart that you just keep hanging on to, that part that never seems to get filled, well, maybe it's Jesus that's missing. But here's the thing is that Jesus offers his peace freely to all who would receive and so this morning, if you are ready to receive his peace, if you're ready to quit running, if you're ready to stop doing it on your own, would you just take a moment and just say, Jesus, in your name, I would like to receive your peace. If this morning you've already been to that spot, but yet the wage of war of this world has weighed upon you and you find yourself far from him, Remember that those of you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Ask Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, in your name, would you help me to remember your peace? Would you help me to experience it afresh this morning? All of us do life with other people. Who is it in our life, in your life, that needs to have an extension of forgiveness from you? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker, a neighbor. Maybe it's a total stranger. But instead of harboring vengeance, instead of harboring a grudge, instead of keeping that dividing wall up, Ask Jesus right now, Jesus, in your name, would you help me to extend forgiveness? Maybe it's someone else in your life that they need to offer forgiveness and you keep making strides and they don't seem to respond. Say, Jesus, in your name, would you move in their heart and in their mind that we may experience peace?
And now, let's just ask God, God, would you give us a desire by the Holy Spirit inside of us, would you give us a desire to be agents of peacemaking, to go courageously and boldly to step forward and step out into whatever situation we find ourselves in, that we would do it in your name, knowing that your peace goes with us. Say, Jesus, in your name, Help me to be an agent of peace. And then as we do so, let's be people who, like Jesus, speak grace and truth. Grace and truth. But help us, Lord, to lead with grace. Knowing that peace has been made between us and God, and that we can make peace between us and and our brothers and sisters. And so, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the challenge that it places before our lives. Lord, would you help us to rise to the occasion, to be agents of peace, to be your children in this world, who don't just do this for our own lives and our own sake, Lord, who do it to bring glory to you and others closer to you, God. Father, we speak this in Jesus' name. We just speak his name over all of the things going on in our lives, all the things going over in our world. Lord, knowing that it's only in his name that the strongholds begin to break, that the walls come tumbling down, and Lord, that we experience true and lasting and happy life. Thank you, Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a song of response, but don't let the time of prayer stop there. If you'd like to come down and pray in the front, you're welcome to. If you'd like to pray at your seat, grab your neighbor, however, wherever. If you're at home in your living room or in your kitchen, continue to seek God's face as we continue to ask him to help us be agents of his peace in this world. Let's sing together.